Welcome to the Audiation in the Wild podcast with your hosts, Bo Talifer and Eric Rasmussen. Season 2, Episode 10, Melodies and Rhythms with and Without Words. All right. All right. So, Eric, you were talking to me earlier about the subject of learning music with words, without words, the pros and cons of each approach. You know, the three approaches are use words, don't use words, or use both. Hopefully, there's no side that says use none. <laughs> but so where do you fall on this and what comes to mind? All right. So generally, when this topic is broached in the MLT community, it's about whether you should sing uh, melodies especially to infants and toddlers and even three-year-olds without words and whether that's better than singing with words because then the children can relate better to the musical elements of the melody that you're singing or the chant that you're chanting they're right they're they're relating to the rhythms and Right. And not the words to the rhythms. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so typical, you know, um, and there's a, a chant for the kids to just absorb, right? Pretty complicated. You don't think kids would repeat that back until, <laughs> and when they're ready to repeat rhythms like that back, here's the thing. Um, that I don't think is discussed as much. And I know it's been researched, but right now I don't care what the research says about it anymore. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I don't always trust, I mean, if it has been and it showed that like it's better to teach rhythms in the long run without, you know, without words, if they're not, if, and, oh my God, this is going to be complicated. Because here's how it is in my world. I had, this is what happened. And I had and I and I went for it really hard. I made up some ridiculously hard rhythms um, for kindergarten and first grade, and I don't think or no pre-K, pre-K and first grade. And of course, I taught the same rhythms to kindergarten and second grade, mm -hmm. um, just because they were ridiculously hard. But we were only going to uh, study these two groups, or and, and so I treated them like they are. They have to. They have to get these rhythms, and we only have two months to get there. Okay. And the reason is because the school that I was working for, uh, or the program I was working in, had a uh, you know had a huge grant, and they wanted to see what are we getting done. You know, with with their money. Mm -hmm. Right. It was you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Oh my. Uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, close to a million dollars was before we even got started. And then some of that built up and then they took it away and didn't pay me. And so I left. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> Despite this thing. So I had, here's for four-year-olds. I got, but ba 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 And then, ba ba da ba da ba 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 da ba da 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 Right? Wow. Yeah. And then there's another one. Uh, ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba -ba. 
And these are the triple ones. I think there were three of each. And duple was, you know, ba 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 ba. And I'm not sure that was right. But it was pretty simple, straightforward. And there was, you know, ba ba da ba da ba 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 da ba da ba. First, I know I was at the five eight one. There was another odd. I think the odd meters were in the first grade. I can't remember them all. I I wish I could find the sheet that that was all on. Yeah. Um. That you know, but. I taught them those rhythms through songs, and I also just chanted the the words to them. Butterflies are best because they fly all because they they fly all day long. I forget what the words were too. Um, this is going back almost eight years. Yeah, but the punchline um, here is but like... they were really ridiculously difficult, yeah. and I had a almost a hundred percent on these rhythm patterns. Because I taught, I had to teach them words to go to it because they weren't getting them without. But you you were also taking the words out. You did both. Oh, I did both. Yeah. So, so no one's saying no one's saying um, cut uh, cut stuff. No no one's saying no one's saying just do words. No no you know wordless. Right. Chance. No no no. I did I did both, and I even tried to take the rhythm patterns from songs. You know, from the, obviously from the meters of songs they already knew, and they already knew by kindergarten, uh, and pre, well by the middle of pre-K year they knew all the to, all the tonalities and all the. <laughs> this is crazy. They did sing in all the tonalities and all the meters within the first half year. So yeah. So um, and if you're not doing that, you're not singing enough in class. Yeah. In a general music classroom, it doesn't. If if you're doing, you know violin or something else there's too many other things you got to take up the time to do um, you know technical teaching you know how to hold the, the thing and all that um, but yeah um, the words put to these complicated rhythms made it so that the kids are having a hard time copying those rhythms uh, just made it easier for them yeah. if you didn't do yeah. the words these kids were probably not going to get those rhythms because they're complicated. And to this day, this is why it came up in our conversation. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, in, in fact, in the last episode, I shared this um, uh, little Dorian ditty um, that, that without the words, I have a harder time getting the rhythm. Sure. Ba -da -ba 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 -da -ba -da -ba. I, I still like <laughs> want to trip up on it, right? But if I put the words to it, uh, what is it? Ian and Jack, you know, the kids who live next door. And then it's just so easy for me to do that. Uh, Ian and Jack, da, 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 da. so I'm audiating the words when I do it. And it's easy. If I just do the rhythm and not audiate the words, but I get mixed up. I just get mixed up. It's mm -hmm. easier for me to rely on the words. And this is why there is such a thing as verbal association. Do, did he do that? Do, 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 oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. Except it's not do daddy. It, do, it's do bay do bay do. Do do what do do bay do. Do bay do bay do. Right now I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it in verbal association because I haven't practiced it. Do bobby do to do bay do. Do bay do bobby do to do bay do do. Well, what's odd about this is that the the words of the song, like being separate, because if we go like a hardcore verbal associate is what you're doing now, but like the words of a song are kind of something you're saying along with the rhythm of the song. It is, it's, it's interesting. It almost acts as like a, a like a memory aid device. Because I, I noticed this if I have so 
uh, students who want to learn a song, but they already know the lyrics to that song. When I teach them that song by rote on the guitar or the piano, they learn it so fast because I just break things down into the way the, the rhythm patterns and yeah. the words line up in the song. And it, I mean, I think what may be going on here too, that's important to bring up, the kids can sing the song on their own with the words very easily. And that might be contributing to their review of these things at times. If they have a song they can sing, I mean, and they do that a few times in between the music lesson, that starts building up, you know, after years of lessons. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of his work, in terms of rhythm understanding, rhythm audiation and, and rhythm skills, mm-hmm. learning those rhythms is easier when you do both. Sure. And you want to find out if there's kids that can do it without learning words. That's great. You're getting you're getting deeper into the audiation, I think. But when something is sure. easier to do, I think that's valuable. Now, let's go back and cover the tracks before that. So this is talking about pre-K and up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question would be, to me, becomes when you're in that age range, is it better to do that and the strict verbal associates, you know, with Gordon rhythm syllables, uh, along along with the words and then also along with our oral patterns. And of course, along with repertoire that includes some of those rhythms or the basis for many of those rhythms, if not yeah. the exact rhythms themselves. I think it would be useful. Right? So, so, right? But your rhythm vocabulary can go way beyond early, you know, it can go way beyond uh, the what the repertoire because to make things musical, you don't want to have that much complexity. So give yeah. them complex rhythms and short bites so that they're ahead of what they're going to learn, maybe, right? So this, that would be interesting, yeah, like that's the a combination of all three. Now, go back, you know, I'm not saying to, to babies and toddlers and even some three-year-olds that, um, that you should not, I'm not saying you should not teach songs without words absolutely teach songs without words all the way through in in fact older children too give them that opportunity um but there's a cost to it when you get into later childhood three and four year olds because they think things are funny by then two-year-olds they uh, like i like doggy song i want doggy song (laughs) right they can they can have some right some uh, Sorry. Right? Yeah, sure. Because the song's about a dog. You know, I want doggy song, you know? Doggy? You know, I have, I have a kid that just asks for two little kitty cats all the time. Two kitties? Two kitties? Can I have kitties? You know, she just insists on this uh, every it. week. And so I, so by this time, I say the right way or the wrong way. <laughs> I love that. And she always says the right way. And the other kids say, no, I want to hear it the wrong way. I said, do you want it this way or that way? And I play you know, tonic dominant and one thing and subdominant tonic and another thing and and they get to pick which way they want to hear it. So they're getting that, that, that partial synthesis, the variety that I like uh, that we talked about a few episodes oh, ago. Yeah. But yeah, so that's big. But I think it's really important for, and I tell parents, you know, you know, Twinkle Twinkle, you sing these things, you bounce and rock your child at home, you know, before they go to sleep and that kind of thing. Please take away the words. It's not that the words are bad, because they help you to sing and be expressive with the content of the song, but but 
Yeah, there's real validity in singing, you know, and chanting pieces that are, you know, chants and melodies that are, um, you know, without words. There's so much value, value in that. But like I said, in this circumstance specifically, when I'm trying to teach a rhythm that's difficult, having um, funny words to go with them, um, you know, butterflies. I try. I wish I could. But but but. I I just wish I could remember that some of them because they were really kind of fun, um, and and made the kids perk up. So that's that's my research on it, and I will not. I will not agree with anybody who says it should be otherwise. Because <laughs> there are some kids that just were, were having such a hard time, and when I added the words to it, became easier. What I'd like to see would have gotten easier for them to do verbal association. I don't think so because yeah, um, verbal association too hard for their mouths at, sure. the, at the pre-K level. Um, so verbal association aren't words, right? Mm-hmm. Words are different. Words evoke meaning, though. and there is no meaning in the verbal associates. They're just placekeepers. Yeah, there. there's no linguistic meaning. They're just a pointer t- to what the musical, you know, content is. Yeah, you're 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 adhering the rhythm that they can already audiate at the oral, oral level, right? I think I think a very interesting experiment with your to do that is based off of what you just described to us. Take take three classes and teach one like a couple songs. Um, only with the words and then with the words and without words and then just without the words, but use the same number of listening exposures for all the groups. So if they all get to listen to something 10 times, I mean, one does five with the words, five without the words, one does all words, one does no words. I mean, you'd have to get the right number of trials. 10 might not be the number. Like we might track 60 trials over the course of weeks and see who actually can just perform the best at the end whether it's with words or without words i bet you the combo group would do best based on all this induction stuff but i mean yeah you'd think so and there, there are these studies out there and i'm at this point you know i've read them before but to me it was about the kids i had in front of me and maybe the study was wrong or maybe the study is right and i didn't you know give it an opportunity but in this case this was you know me <laughs> having run a few studies in my life and and trying to really impress you know the the people with the grant money and the people that were you know that hired me and all that i was i i I wanted to go whole hog um and i was encouraged to so i did and and the kids were amazing and and when i came time to test them i just i said I can't remember. I, I wish I could remember. So Randy crazy. I'm so close. It's right there. But I would just go down the row. I'd do it once for the kid at the end. And I'd go, the next kid, next kid, next kid, one after the other, one after the other. And then if a kid couldn't come in on the, on the macro beat uh-huh. uh, or on the pickup, then I would say it again. And then they would go and I would go right down the row again until somebody lost it. Because everybody did it at a... You know, on a scale of one to five, everybody did it at least at a four level, except maybe two kids yeah. in the school. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty solid results. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and then I then I sent that those recordings, those video recordings I made of those students to a second researcher and had her, um, oh. you know, rate the kids too. So I got validity in terms of how far 
they, you know, so I did, did basically a t-test which compares yep. groups. Um, you know, it was a, it was a, what do you call it? A, a t-test where you use um, samples that are related, a related samples t-test. Because mm -hmm. they're the same kids and they're comparing those kids against each other. Uh, and the yeah. growth that the class had. So you're not comparing two different classes, right? They've, that, they've, that done, be, <laughs> they've done interesting ones with exercise where they'll get someone to do like a certain program for their right leg and then they'll compare like a couple weeks later a program to the left leg so you get within subject. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many different genetic differences and like how fast people can gain muscle and how, what they're eating and all that stuff. But if you, if you standardize it to one person, I mean, it kind of eliminates a lot of the problems unless you have twins. Gets rid of the need for identical twins. <laughs> yeah, and then separate them at birth. Yeah, those are pretty wild. But, um, those yeah. nat natural experiments. So that's my I thought on that. And there's also some, and you might be able to speak to this better than me, is how uh, uh, Jim Jordan, when he was on our podcast, talked about, you know, audiating diction, combining that with the melody and yeah. combining that with the words. Yeah, I'd love to talk like about how that those things happen and tonal and rhythm, right? All, you know, we're taxing the. Well, because we have these different things going on when we're hearing melodic, when we're hearing melody, we're hearing melodic rhythm as well as diction when there's singing going on with it. But some students seem to have the ability without any seeming training, even though it's probably just developed informally, to when, when something is sung to them, they can extract the rhythm out and not pay attention to the words. And they, and they can do the reverse. If someone if someone plays a familiar rhythm pattern, flitter, familiar piece of melodic rhythm <clears throat> from repertoire they know, they can recognize what song that is. So they're doing a type of identification there. But it's like when you have diction involved with melodic rhythm and melody, with, when you have diction involved with melody, there's, there's these different skill sets of being able to pull them apart and combine them back together. And basically what we're talking about is people don't have a dependable way to train that. Some students seem to be, develop the ability through enough singing, but I think a great strategy is playing around with adding diction, taking diction out. It might even be useful to say, say the words of the song without a meter so that the students really understand that the diction is something different than the rhythm entirely. Um, <clears throat> I think that's what James is getting at. But we didn't really talk to about him about it for very long, but I've thought of that a little bit. And at least anecdotally, Eric, my experience with teaching people how to play melodies by rote on instruments is greatly accelerated when they know the diction and the proper rhythm of the song. So they can sing the song, they can sing the melodic rhythms that are in the song with diction. They generally can learn the song on their instrument by rote faster. And so I'd love to see someone disprove that because in my experience, it's so powerfully obvious that it is more. Uh, but, but what we're really talking about here is like, you know, maybe these... Diction helps memory retention over time. Because if you sing the song over like four weeks or eight weeks, maybe the diction and the song, the story of the song, is helping them remember the literal rhythm patterns. Oh, I'm sure when you attach it to the story of the song, that there that there's a bigger hole than the melody and even with the harmony. And that's another potential flaw I see in the research. What was the time period for the acquisition of the musical content was it like one lesson or because we're talking months of singing the songs these songs to students right so there might mm -hmm. be different influences at play 
and I can I can gauge how well someone's gonna learn something by rote on an instrument just by how well they know the the diction of of the songs in a lot of cases if their aptitude is normal or what seems like normal like they have no deficit in learning musical stuff quickly if they really know the song like can they can sing it holy smokes they just start plowing through it by rote so there's something about the instrumental um a lot of and a lot of great jazz musicians for example have reported that if they learn the lyrics to the standards they learn something about the melody both tonally and rhythmically gets glued oh, yeah. in in a better way Oh yeah, instrumentalists that play uh, a melody where the the phrase isn't ended yet, and they put a break in there because they don't know the lyrics. That that bothers me. So I've I've um, given this to songwriting students before who are air quote instrumentalists, like they just want to do that side of it, like maybe they want to make video game music. My challenge to them is write a song that has lyrics, but you only play it instrumentally. But you should hear the lyrics while you play it, and man, yeah, their playing yeah. sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. No, there's there's more meaning uh, there besides the musical elements that you can add to it, of course. Um, and by the way, what, given what I said about or what we've already said about diction and tonal and rhythm, you know, understanding and harmonic understanding, with regard to singing in a you know when you talk about diction, you really at a middle school level at least probably high school, of course, and, and, and further, I defer completely and wholeheartedly to the work that Jim Jordan has done, especially the Inside the Choral rehearsal. Oh, yeah. Um, in a book that uh, we featured a little bit on the podcast way early. And it was great to have his thoughts because, you know, I don't think about <clears throat> lyrics and diction very much because I am doing something else, you know, focusing on MLT for guitar mainly and for a bit for piano, but someone who spent that much time thinking about it, uh, it's, it's just fascinating to see, you know, how his mind yeah. has solved that issue. And he's one of the few people that really has uh, deep criticism for some of the things, and, and deep love, as we all do, for Dr. Gordon's work. He just says he's wrong here. Sure. You know, and the syllable to use to sing in tune and all that kind of stuff that he's found over all these years applying. You know, he there's nobody that loves... Dr. Gordon more for his work and personally, he, you know, he has that real sense of connection with him. Um, but, but, uh, you know, there, there's some strong, uh, some fairly certain disagreement that I, I lean to his side than what was initially, um, brought up, uh, by Dr. Gordon as, you know, a, a more scientific way to teach. For sure. I think um, yeah. and that's a good point about, you know, whenever we're criticizing, especially like in Gordon's direction, Jesus. Um, I know. But I feel like, like I always have to say it. Cause... Yeah. It, it's like we're in Gordon's country, but we're saying, well, this cappuccino should be a little different than, you know, this thing. And But we're really like in his kingdom. Like, so, yeah. yeah. And I mean, no disrespect. And uh, I think that shows a kind of interest in his work beyond even beyond like the man himself is that the work is so valid that it's worth to still talk about and adjust and say well you know this could be a little more like that but but it, we're just having we're just going deeper into the subject but, yeah, but why did more why do not more people like come to it come to the work it's crazy to me that there's such it there's such resistance to it if you belong to uh, a, a different tribe and I think there's even resistance to it within the tribe sometimes that I think is undue mm-hmm. although I don't know uh, that's for people to figure it out I just I just I just want to keep you know 
messing with my children. <laughs> that, that's why it's good to, you know, remember that a, a tribe can very naturally build out of, you know, something like MLT because it's a whole philosophy around how to teach music. It's yet so specific. And so this like in-group, out-group thing can very easily develop. And that's why I wanted to partly focus on the podcast of not just kind of strict MLT in terms of what Gordon said, but, well, how does that stack up with how really good musicians who know nothing about this are learning music? Because they probably have something worthwhile to say, and we can, you know, bounce back and forth. And, and sometimes people are just doing stuff that I just straight up disagree with, but it's interesting to at least have a discussion about it. Because, I mean, we're we're all living a pretty good life. We're music teachers. I mean, we might want to make more money or have more <laughs> success in projects or whatever it is, but I mean, we're teaching music. It's a sweet job. And if you get good at teaching music, you can have a pretty fun career, right? I mean... Yep, it's great. Yep. Love it to pieces. All right. Well, All I, think, right. I think that's good. I think we defended both sides well enough. My integrity <laughs> is still online. <laughs> we, we need some after the, the partial synthesis conversation, probably. Yeah. I really like the idea <laughs> of A-B testing, you know, just having yep. a couple, because it can be small numbers. You could have nine students and just send three of them off one direction three in another three in another see what happens yeah there needs to be more research done by more people because in their circumstances you know there's different context in music education probably in a few different countries or different areas of our country or whatever so mm -hmm. all right eric till next time all righty